Hi everyone, this is Charting Queer Health, a podcast at the intersection of queer culture, healthcare, and research. On behalf of Howard Brown Health in Chicago, I'm your host, Matt. I'm a cis white gay man, a recent Chicago transplant, and I have the incredible opportunity to sit down with various experts across our organization and across our community to learn from their expertise, amplify their stories and voices, and advance the conversation surrounding queer healthcare. Joining us today is Tokes. Tokes, thank you for coming. Would you mind introducing uh, yourself, your role, and the pronouns you prefer? Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Uh, my full name is Oleta Kumbo Adekboro. I go by Tokes because it's easier for almost everyone involved. <laughs> uh, my pronouns are she, her, and I have the privilege of being the medical director for the Broadway Youth Center. The Broadway Youth Center. Um, so we have already had Jenny Urban um, on, so we talked a little bit about uh, nutrition. Yes. Um, you are the medical director. So yes. we, we talked with her about how food is medicine and you're the medicine medicine <laughs> it's all medicine right it's, it's all medicine but yours is uh maybe what more people would consider you know the, the straightforward aspect yeah so Broadway Youth Center, for our, our listeners who don't know, is how would, how would you describe it? You would know best. So the Broadway Youth Center is a pretty uh, unique center where we get the opportunity to offer uh, robust like social services to kind of attack the things that people lack with regards to social determinants of health, because we often forget that. And we often forget how significant it is to keeping up your like actual what we call medical health, what people think of like ailments, like diabetes, high blood pressure, things of that nature. People don't care about their diabetes if they don't have a place to live. Right. Like, where am I going to keep my insulin if I have nowhere to go that night? So we try to focus on that, make sure people, specifically adolescents and youth, get what they need. Gotcha. So it's it's a very holistic approach to health. It's not just like, here's the medicine. It's also, here's the medicine, and we're going to make sure you have a place to to store it, that you know where you're going to take it, that you have... Uh, the resources and logistics to really make sure that you can take care of your whole self. So Absolutely. I love that approach. I think it's uh, <laughs> something Howard Brown does really well applying, uh, you know, across the spectrum, whether it's Broadway Youth Center or just our general patients, whatever it is, it's we're, we're always um, multi, uh, we attack problems with a multi-pronged, I guess, approach, Most definitely. Um, which I love. So um, tell us a little bit more about your role within uh, Broadway Youth Center. Are you the one administering um, these this healthcare support directly, or do you oversee people? What is your what does the team and day to day operations look like? Yeah, it's kind of a combination of the two. So as a medical director, I'm also a provider there. So I do provide services to youth um, between the ages of 12 to 24 for three times out of the week. And then I also kind of oversee the individuals who are helping run clinic. Mm -hmm. And I collaborate pretty often with the programming side or what we often call milieu drop in, which kind of helps with providing resources on the side of housing and IDs, things of that nature, making sure people have food security. Gotcha. What are some of the primary um, medical conditions that we're seeing in this um, population? What are, what are the most common issues that we're seeing? That's a great question. Oftentimes, people think of adolescents and they just think sex. And it's a good thing to think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oftentimes, we are dealing with um, sexually transmitted infections. Uh, but it's also your regular primary care things like my knee hurts, my back hurts, mm. or like I have some numbness, tingling, things of that nature. Also, being... Uh, a part of Howard Brown, one of the things that we like to focus on is making sure people have the appropriate care that caters to who they are. So we do a lot of hormone replacement therapy mm-hmm. and hormone starts for people 12 to 24 years old. Gotcha. So it's, it really is the whole spectrum of like, my tummy hurts all the way up to like, you know, hormone replacement therapy. So I bet. I th- what what kind of resources does that take to be able to provide that wide of care in-house? Because that seems like a huge ask 
to be, be able to have be this one-stop shop for everything. It takes so many resources. <laughs> like, oh, not only physical resources, but also the people. Like, you have to have people who are dedicated to what they do because mm-hmm. it is a, it's a field where you could quickly get burnt out because you're dealing with high-stakes um, situations all the time. And you get a lot of people that are coming in at the, the lowest point in their life and you are their lifeline. And you have to remember that even when you start to feel like, oh, this is a lot to do things of that nature. So it takes people who are truly dedicated to co- to the cause to make sure it goes well. And fortunately enough, we do have those people at BYC. I'm very fortunate. I love that. And uh, it was something we talked about, Jenny Urban, too, that like a lot of times the services that you both provide are key to these people kind of changing the trajectory of their life, so to speak. Absolutely. I mean, you, like you said, you can't, you know, I was talking with her and... <laughs> I said I felt so spoiled growing up because I was like, oh, mom, I have a big test today. Let me cook you a big meal. Uh, and so I was able to do better because I had those resources in my life. And Broadway Youth Center is filling the gap and meeting those needs for individuals so that they can go out and, and crush goals and, and really um, change change the trajectory of their life, so to speak. What is kind of different about uh, Broadway Youth Center and how they approach medical health care for housing um, unstable individuals. Uh, are there other resources, other organizations that are doing this in the city or in the country? Or how, like, what what sets us apart, so to speak? That's a great question. I mean, I presume there are places in the mm-hmm. country that are doing it. Um, but I think what sets us apart is that we truly meet the use where they're at, you know? A lot of people forget that with, in healthcare, it's often like you have to schedule this appointment and you're not going to see the provider for another month or so, things of that nature. And sometimes by the time you get an appointment, your ailment or illness or issues already resolved, you know. Mm-hmm. And so you can't really do that with adolescents. Like, you know, you have a very short window to, to make an impact sometimes, especially when it's like, I really need you to focus on this diabetes. And they're like, I am fine. I'm not feeling any um, issues with regards to my diabetes, but I really need to get this like ID. Like this mm-hmm. matters more to me. And I was like, okay, so how about we do this? And then we also do this. Right. So meeting them or that and kind of, it's not quite bargaining, but <laughs> kind of showing them that there, there's more to what they might see that mm-hmm. they need. And there are other things that need to be tackled. Yeah. Like, and and I, it sounds similar to our like core tendon of like, harm reduction yes like enabling people to live the life that they're going to live um but doing so in a way that reduces any harm that might come from it um or you know actively helps their health or or mental health or whatever it might be i i haven't sadly been to byc yet but i need to go um i was talking to jenny jenny and we're gonna (laughs) yeah well that that leads me to my next point i was gonna ask like how have you seen the medical needs of um you know, the people that visit Broadway Youth Center, have you seen that change or grow um, or I guess decrease possibly uh, with the advent of the pandemic? Well, that's interesting. So I actually came about, like I came abroad when like the pandemic was already in full swing. Mm. I've only been here for about five months. So I haven't seen much change between like then and now. But I would say that it probably means that we can't offer services to as many people because of the capacity limitations that we do have mm-hmm. um, on the programming side as well as the clinical side. I think for the clinical side, we're doing as best as we can, you know, seeing as many people as we can and trying to offer them ver- various alternatives to getting care. But it's a little bit limited with COVID, you yeah. know. 
It, yeah, and, and and along that line, like besides some of the obvious repercussions, what what ha- what happens when young people don't have access to medical care? Aside from you know obvious medical side effects, what what how does that impact other areas of their life? It sucks. <laughs> I mean, it's it's just as bad as anybody not having access to medical care. You know, it, it creates this detriment that people don't even recognize sometimes. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing like when you look at people who don't have insurance or they're underinsured and they can't access medical health um they can't access the medical health care system even though they can physically get there and things of that nature but they're more concerned with money and very rightly so i mm-hmm. totally understand that but you just you're in a worse place off than you could have been especially with adolescents you know there's a, a lot that has to do with mental health and i think across the country we're facing a shortage of mental health providers so that's one of the concerns especially with covid because it's kind of compounding the issue with uh depression anxiety especially in adolescents you're kind of battling that and finding your place in the world so you see a lot more of that and i don't know that it's more so that it's prevalent versus we just see it more and people are it's willing to talk about it off. exactly yeah, yeah. yeah. that's yeah. I love doing this podcast because I see more and more how all of these themes are interrelated. This yeah. morning, I talked with Brandy Jackson about mental health care through the go. pandemic. And so <laughs> we we touched on a lot of that. Um, and I think it also kind of compounds when you consider like the impression that you're giving these young people about what medicine looks like uh, is something that they're going to take forward with them. Yeah. So it's it's like you, they're used to receiving this you know awesome care from you that meets them where they're at. Um, but going forward, they might not always receive that kind of care. So like what are, uh, for, for other providers throughout the country, what are some best practices to help ensure that a young person stays, uh, stays in care and stays dedicated to their medicine? Cause I, I'm, I know speak, like I've worked with young people, not in medicinal capacity, but getting them to concentrate on anything is <laughs> impossible. So, so how do you get them to advocate for their own health when it might be, back of mind for them that is that is the question <laughs> literally every they have whole fields of medicine dedicated to literally just transitioning seriously youths to adult medicine and it's cool. very difficult and adolescent medicine can be that bridge which is great like getting more providers that go into adolescent medicine mm-hmm. is is one one hope and one way that we're doing it is like kind of fostering our goal is to help more like medical students residents get more training so that they know what it's like and so they can kind of be that bridge outside i think for us it's not so much trying to be the model but just trying to make sure that each and every patient client youth is getting what they need and that we individualize their care at the same time of meeting them where they're at, we do have to set boundaries. We have mm-hmm. to let them know, you know, we can only let you do this so many times before we have to say, that's it, you know. Yeah. And that can definitely be hard for staff yeah. as well as youth, but it's something that needs to be done because once they get to that next field, that adult medicine, if you will, there won't be those like caveats or people letting people slide. The boundaries will be pretty solid. It's like, you don't get to your appointment in 20 minutes, they're not going to see you. You can't yeah, show up two just, hours later. You can't just walk in. Yeah, exactly. I love this concept of meeting patients where they are. Um, like you said, sometimes uh, what is most medically necessary to treat first might not be front of mind for them. What What are our queer youth predominantly concerned with when they come into your office? Everything. <laughs> Literally everything. And they'll come in, like I had a patient come in today and their main concern was pain with urina- urination. Mm-hmm. And then 
afterward we ended up talking about so much more mental mm. health aspects um birth control reproduction all those things and it all just started with like it hurts when i pee you know <laughs> so we ended up having like a 40 minute conversation it's like that children's <laughs> book where like if you give a mouse a cookie that's it i if gave you that talk about pain with urination <laughs> then you're gonna end up talking about 18 other things i guess too <laughs> like well since we're on the topic it was right. like, we weren't we on weren't. the topic but, but okay <laughs> i um dr Corey brown introduced me to the concept of doorknob questions too yes. where you're about oh to end God. something and they bring something else yeah. up so it seems like caring for adolescents especially queer adolescents is kind of little fires everywhere so to speak it's a kind constant of, doorknob yeah yeah <laughs> and i was like why don't we leave this door closed because right. i'm not leaving we have to today. address that another time yeah <laughs> oh, i don't I, I don't envy, I mean, I I acknowledge your work is very important, but I, thank don't, you, thank you. I don't envy that uh, that dynamic. What what made you want to pursue medicine for, for young people? That is... That or, is or don't you? I don't know. No, no, no. I, no. I, I very much do. Like, I have the privilege, like I was saying, I, I have the opportunity to do what we call womb-to-tomb medicine by mm -hmm. doing family medicine. Yeah. We get newborns, I do prenatal care, I get to do geriatric care as well, adult medicine. But I've always been fascinated by adolescents because I think oftentimes they're kind of ignored or pushed to the wayside. And the concerns they have have not been validated um, appropriately. And if we do that, we can stem so many of the issues that like kind of evolve later on. And that mm -hmm. that's my goal. Like so often we're dealing with marginalized populations and people are just like, oh, what does that kid know? What could they have gone through? And they're like, they've gone through so much. If you sit down and listen to them, yeah. they will tell you what they've gone through. And I, I wanted to be that person who could help, but you know, I'm also the kind of also set boundaries. I'm like, look, we can do this right now, but you have to know <laughs> when you turn this age, mm -hmm. they're not going to do this for you anymore. Yeah. So let's kind of get on that path right now so we can get you like going where you need to be in the future. That's you know? so paramount. I mean, I remember <laughs> I wanted to stick with my pediatrician's office forever. I mean, who doesn't yeah. want a lollipop when they finish, finish their physical? And then I was like 16 or 17. They're like, you, you should transition. You got to go. So I was like, okay. <laughs> like 21, please. But I, I love that concentration of like making sure that the people you see are, are well set up to yeah. transition into the healthcare industry because the Broadway Youth Center is not a microcosm for the real world. It I wish it was. in any way, I wish it was. Um, <laughs> but I think that's so key because... I was talking with Maya Green about the pandemic and like the way it's impacted certain uh, communities has been dictated by the community's relationship with healthcare. Um, whether like, aside from whether or not they have had access to it, trusting healthcare is also a huge thing. Um, and so it means so much that these individuals have a provider like you that they can be honest with and you can meet them where they're at because that should be the standard going forward. So you're yeah. setting them up to have, or at least to expect and to advocate for that kind of relationship with the yes. provider going into the quote unquote real world. Um, because like I talked to Dr. Corey Brown, like queer people of any age have a hard time being honest and yeah. have a hard time. I mean, I was, I came out when I was like 23, but I didn't tell my doctor until I was like 27. Uh, because I, for like, some no, reason, it's not your business. for some reason, yeah, scared about <laughs> it, even though there really wasn't a, any issue yeah um so it's it's all about like creating an atmosphere for your patients to feel comfortable to advocate for themselves and their needs and then they can bring that with them once they move on jenny urban said the same thing yeah that, like when we tell these young people you know what do you need from us it makes them flex that muscle of well i want this i need this and i expect this going yeah. forward which is sometimes hard to do for 
individuals in that situation. So I just think Broadway Youth Center all around is doing an incredible job of kind of knitting together these different areas and really allowing our young people to to flourish. So maybe that's a inaccurate no, summary. No, I'd, I'd like to think so. I'd love to. I want to say it that. It seems too, like it. Sure. I mean, I've I've had the opportunity to talk, chat with a few of staff members there, and it just seems like a good place. But back on topic from that uh, <laughs> little uh, diversion there. What are some misconceptions when it comes to sexual health in young people or queer sexual health in young people? Because I know for me, when I came out, when I was younger, quote unquote younger, uh, a lot of a lot of people presume like homosexual means hypersexual. Do you see any evidence of that when it comes to sexual health care for queer people, queer adolescents? Right. Or- you actually that's exactly what I would have said when people that's what people's perception is. that Like uh-huh. basically everyone's just having sex all the time. Right. And I was like. But everyone is having sex all the time. It's like, it's not just queer people. It's not just adolescents, literally everyone. Mm -hmm. And I think what I'm most impressed with is how much people care about their health in general. People are coming in to get testing. You know, people are like, oh, why don't you do this? Or why don't you do that? Why aren't you on birth control if you don't want to get pregnant? Blah, 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 blah. There are different reasons why people aren't adhering to what we or most people think they should be doing. And the fact that they care at all, I'm appreciative. I mean, these youths are so brave. Like, they're yeah. going through so much, and I don't think people take the time to appreciate that. So it's very important for me to say how brave they are and the fact that they're coming in when they do. Because sometimes it could be like, it took me a month to get in here, mm. you know? And I'm finally here. I want to get tested. I might have this. Or I think my partner's cheating on me. I might have this. Or like, oh, I just want to get my regular, like, three-month testing or something mm-hmm. like that. I think it's wonderful. So... I personally try not to have any misconceptions about anyone or make any presumptions about anyone when they come through the door for any kind of testing, but uh, that does float around yeah. out there. <laughs> so you'd, you'd say that this generation, so to speak, is a lot more brave and self-aware and, and are better advocates for their own health than we'd probably give them credit for? I don't know if I can say that. I don't know enough about <laughs> previous generations, <laughs> but I would say that we yeah. don't give them enough credit. Definitely, yeah. I would agree with that. Yeah, because yeah. I would say, and this is like painting in very broad strokes, <laughs> I would say that like in the advent of the internet and being able to access information, and I think it kind of heightens the uh, the group consciousness when it comes to sexual health care. And I know that's even apparent when it comes to the pandemic mm. of people like, in the younger generation, we're very quick to like, we'll do whatever we need to, to, yeah. to settle this and, and to handle it. And so there's like a pragmatism, I feel like when it, when it comes to healthcare for this generation. I can definitely see that. It's also like the internet is a double-edged sword. Like people come mm. in with a diagnosis already and I'm like, you get a lot okay. of Dr. Google. Oh my God. All the time. And I'm like, I can see where you're coming from with that, but let's, let's broaden that up a little bit. It might yeah. be this, this, and this. Yeah, so. I'm, a, I'm a victim of that as well. I've, I've definitely been like, look, WebMD says, <laughs> doctors are like, please put that away. That's not the case at all. At I, all. Yeah, and I, the other thing I was floored, because I moved here in June, and I was so floored, at least, uh, granted, this is one small experience, but, um, or one small um perspective i should say i moved to lakeview and being a white gay man uh howard brown is very ubiquitous and so i was just like floored with like the casualness that people would talk about like oh i just went to get tested blah 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 and like coming from a small town it's like you you admitted to people that you got an an sti or whatever and and 
<laughs> somebody told me once was like, you know what? There's probably the same rate of infection within your community where you came from, but just nobody talks about Absolutely. it. Absolutely. How like how how important do you think that like open and honesty is when it comes to sexual health or just health in general for adolescents? You, you have to be it, health in general for anyone. I don't. Mm-hmm. You have to be honest, otherwise you're not going to get the appropriate care you need to be getting. And I, I see it very often because people. Previously, I would see people were very, I guess when I was training in residency over in San Ysidro Chula Vista, people were very hesitant sometimes to admit like what was concerning them. And it's so nice to see the difference now, not just specifically because I'm working with adolescents, but just with time. Mm-hmm. People are way more open. They're like, oh, yeah, I smoke these many cigarettes. It's so much alcohol I drink. I do these recreational mm-hmm. drugs. And I was like, thank you very much for telling me, you know. Yeah. Uh, it's not about judging you or anything. I just need to know if this may be causing the right. concerns that you're having. Yeah. So it's definitely, definitely important. I think it's, yeah, I think it's a generational thing a little bit because yeah, I'm, I'm, so. <laughs> I'm 27 and I still very much have that tendency of like, I need to tell my doctor what they want to hear, <laughs> even if it's not necessarily true, even if I like mm-hmm. did throw up this past weekend from drinking, I'm not going to tell them that <laughs> like that kind of thing which is so ludicrous because it's so important to be yeah. honest but i i'm encouraged that at least this next generation is hopefully on a better path when it comes to just owning their lifestyle and that hopefully in in tandem with that our providers are doing better at meeting i was going to say that it's at. also us we yeah. have to be asking the questions in a way that doesn't make people feel mm-hmm. judged you know? yeah the standards uh have to be there for for harm reduction and, and allowing people to live their lives this is so fun i'm i is there we're, we're close to our 30 minutes is there anything that i haven't brought up that you want to impart on to our listeners when it comes to healthcare for adolescents because our audience is intended to be nationwide whether it's you know a provider in a small town that is trying to make their care uh, more holistic or you know an adolescent in a small town who doesn't know how to talk to their doctor what what words of wisdom would you pass on to try to make this a better healthcare society for everybody. Yes. So to the providers out there, I would definitely say, listen, mm. I think we spend so much time trying to get through the history and ask the questions so we can check off boxes. But if you literally just sit there and let somebody tell their story, you're going to remember everything they said and you'll be able to fill out whatever chart you need to mm. fill out. And to all the patients out there, which is pretty much everyone is <laughs> a patient in some capacity, to just remember that, you know, if you don't take ownership of your health, nobody will. And you only get one chance to do that, you know? So definitely do it. And if you don't feel comfortable with the person that you're talking to, find somebody else because you'll find someone out there. And that's what I'm hoping that we're doing here at Howard Brown at Broadway Youth Center, kind of being that place where you can go to and know that you're not going to feel judged. Oh, I, I feel that immensely. I think Howard Brown does an incredible job of, of, like we said before, meeting people where they're at and allowing people to be honest because that's, that's what it's all about. Yes. Um, this might be a bigger question or an episode in and of itself. Uh, when it comes to America's healthcare system, adolescents, I feel like, are kind of, like you said before, we touched on this a little bit before, um, kind of written off as just like easy cases are not necessarily worth investing mm-hmm. in or listening to. How can we change that and get our providers uh, on your level, so to speak? Uh, Ooh. I know it's a good question. That is so big. It's like, I know it's the whole <laughs> systemic thing. Yeah. And it's not necessarily, you can't like wave a magic wand, but like coming as I'm assuming a recent, uh, you know, doctor uh, mm-hmm. in, in over the course of your training, 
where do, where do you think those gaps were maybe necessarily that you had to learn on the job that wasn't taught to you that you think might be better if it was baked in to the training? Does that make sense? Yeah, no, that definitely makes sense. And I think it's kind of universalizing the training, actually, mm-hmm. and making sure that everybody has the opportunity to actually do a rotation or focus in adolescent medicine. Like I said, I went to a, a Scripps Family Medicine residency down in Chula Vista by the border, mm-hmm. which is definitely what I wanted because I wanted to work with marginalized populations. There was a lot of undocumented individuals down there, and it was a wonderful program. And I had the opportunity to work in school-based clinics. And the unique thing about school-based clinics is that you get these kids in high school, and then you pull them out of class to have that appointment. And you build these relationships with these youths, and it's so wonderful because you think like sometimes they're like they're not going to talk to you you're seen as an adult figure they don't care and they have these conversations with me like we're like friends or like buddies and they feel very comfortable giving like, what me are you watching on Netflix different... exactly yeah. like I was like oh you're listening to this song mm-hmm. and they're teaching me so much <laughs> you know and that that helps build that relationship and makes you comfortable with youth and I think we have to have that for every provider so they can have that opportunity mm-hmm. and it might not be you know everybody's jam somebody like I don't like this mm-hmm. uh and that's okay but I think people need to be exposed to it just like in medical school, I think they need to be exposed to culturally competent care, working with LGBTQ plus individuals, which often you do not get unless yeah. you choose it as an elective. I think it needs to be built in the curriculum. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So everybody gets exposed to it. Everybody. I, I love that. Yeah. That's that's a theme I with every person who administers medical care that I've interviewed over the course of this podcast. That's a theme I've come across more and more is just like there are so many things that are like you said electives or specialties yeah. that should just be standardized absolutely uh, because we uh, regardless of whether you're gay or straight or whatever your orientation is we should be able to provide trauma informed care and acknowledge that whoever's walking through that door regardless of their background might have had a negative experience in a doctor's office and yes. they need to be able to account for that so I think a lot of the principles that we're applying or that you're applying at BOIC um, or we're applying at any of our clinics across the city I think can apply to healthcare overall um, and not just queer healthcare so yeah. as I say there's there's a lot of big topics that we try to tackle on this <laughs> podcast that people are probably just like laughing at me for trying to take on yeah but, 30 minutes yeah I was to say that's and that's why I wind up it's gonna be the ongoing joke we, we were brainstorming like what little like catchphrases or like stickers we can like make for this podcast uh, and I think one of them might have to be like we're gonna have to have you back because I tell, <laughs> I tell every guest that and I know it's gonna come across as insincere but it's not because I, there's generally just so much stuff that I want to get to and yeah. so many big ideas and uh, just a wealth of information we have that this podcast 30 minutes is never enough so yeah. <laughs> with that in mind Thank you for your time, Of Tobes. course. It's um, been a pleasure. <laughs> yeah, I, I appreciate it so much. I'll have to have you back. <laughs>